0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. My name is Dave Stovall, and I'm your host, and I really appreciate you clicking on this episode today. Have you ever thought about the struggle between making disciples and also finding your calling? Well, today's episode features Dave Buring and friends talking to us about just that. Dave has some incredibly insightful advice about how our faith should impact every facet of our lives, including our jobs. He reminds us that it's actually possible to connect your vocation with the Great Commission and to make disciples where you work. Let's dive in and be encouraged as we listen to Dave and his friends, Darren, Lori, and George. Here we go.
1: Well, welcome. Glad you guys are here. I know everybody's coming in after lunch. If you need a nap, there's places you you can lay down, make yourself at home. So, so this session is on um, vocational disciple making, and it's one of the things that's kind of a niche that Lionshare does. So, when we're here at the forum, it's oftentimes one of the topics that we will talk about. Um, so, let me let me kind of start by sharing three stories with you. So, Mel, I think I've just got these figures up there one at a time. So, this first one, as you can see, he's a he's a cardiologist, and. Um, John is somebody I met in the early 1990s, really gifted at what, he's, what he does. He's probably still in my world, wouldn't you say, Lori, like one of the smartest men you would ever meet, just a smart man. And as we begin to walk together, he began to share with me, he said, Dave, uh, it's like I, I do good in my job, but I'm not very good in relationships. He said, because I'm such a task guy, I blow through relationships like crazy. So he invited me in to talk about that and to walk with him in that. Today, if you were with John, he was just here, him and his wife, a couple weeks ago, and we had dinner. But he's, he's still a task guy, no doubt. But he is now aware of his relationships. And after he's you know, opened somebody's heart up, he will go and see them the next day, tell them about the surgery, but also ask them about other aspects of their, their heart and their walk with God. And he'll pray with them. And he's, he, he learned how to be a good relator. And he's still a task guy, but he pauses now and pays attention, okay? The second one that I want to put up is um, a gal here who's a country artist, uh, and um, she has learned over the years through some experiences we've walked with her that even when you're a celebrity, you still serve because that's what Jesus people do. That's what disciples do. And so because of this, She has taken the time now that when she has her band or she's got people working with her, she doesn't only look at the one as the one that's supposed to be served. She actually, as the leader, the artist leader, serves other people. Okay. A different way of looking at it, but it was a journey we spent time walking through. And there's a government leader who, as I begin to get to know him, one of the books I gave him to read was on the topic, The Fear of the Lord. So we kind of define the fear of the Lord as reverencing and referencing God in everything you do. So there's a holy reverence for God, but there's also a referencing. It's not, in other words, I'm not going to move in assumptions and presumptions I'm going to ask God about it. And, um, and as he learned how to walk in the fear of the Lord, it impacted how he viewed his world. And I'd say in that governmental world to have people walk in the fear of the Lord would be a pretty big deal. Okay. Well, all three of these people all wonderful people just in and of themselves, but they all had areas where they could grow. Because they had a disciple maker in their life, it transformed the way not only they lived their lives, but the way they dealt, dealt with their vocation. Okay, And oftentimes, we separate those things. And we should not separate those things. Because the ways of God, or how God wants us to go about doing things, the ways <coughs> of God, they apply to every single thing we do. All right. And so I just, I just want you to be aware of that. So let me just throw a few things up here for you. The difference made in the lives of these people is that they had a further along follower of Jesus, deliberately disciple them in the ways of God, both personally and vocationally. Okay, personally, how does this truth affect you personally or spiritually? How does this affect you vocationally? Okay, uh, we, are where, we are where we are today as a people and as a nation Because of the church's lack of engagement with obeying the great commission of Jesus to make disciples. Therefore, we have fewer disciples of Jesus walking the planet whose character reflects Jesus's, whose ways of doing things reference his, and whose life mission includes his mission of making disciples. And so if you want to make an impact upon society, it goes back to disciple making. Okay? So think about this with me. Jesus asks his disciples to reproduce his character, his ways, and his mission in others who would follow him. This allows disciples to carry the heart, attitudes, words, and actions of Jesus into every setting and situation of life they find themselves in. This includes families, relationships, and within their vocations. We often use words like work, job, profession, career, occupation, and vocation, thinking they all mean the same thing. However, the word calling is rooted in the the Latin word vocatio, from which we get in English the word vocation. Jesus has intended that our vocation be a primary way of expressing our calling. I want you to think about that. Like, Like, do you realize the Lord made you and wired you a certain way? Like the guy that deals with my car, like when he pops the hood and looks at it, he just sees it in a way that I don't. And he, he could take stuff out and replace this and that. And Dave, if you need this, you got, you know, and that's how he's made. That's how he's wired. People who are salespeople like George over here, you'll meet George in a few minutes. George relationally connects with people, but he also looks to meet a need in their life. Not just as a sales guy to make money, but how could I meet a real need in their life with what I have to offer? Okay, that's a, that's a godly way to look at business. Often tee up business guys purposely by saying, hey, what's your bottom line? And you know what they'll do is they'll say, ah, next this year it's going to be 1750000 million." million. I'll say, no, 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 no. Not financial bottom line. As a follower of Jesus, what's your bottom line? And they'll look at me and go, what do you mean? And I would and say, you know, this whole thing that we call customer service, do you realize that's actually a biblical thing? That if you serve people well, they'll come back and drink at your well. Over and over and over again. But the motive is not making money. The motive is serving people well. That's a Jesus concept. That's a disciple-making thing. But see, if we don't disciple business leaders to think that way, they won't think that way, right? And so that's, that's part of the dynamic that's in play. So the vocations aren't just places where we work and get paid. They're meant to reflect and display various aspects of God's character through our lives as we do what we do. It's a very practical way for each of us to bring glory to God. Okay? So vocational disciple-making is developing disciples of Jesus who reflect his character, walk in his ways, and participate in his mission in and through their vocation. So when on the job, are our motivations, attitudes, words, and actions reflective of Jesus? So like, for example, are, are we the kind of person that when our boss is around, we're all Good, but when the boss is not there, do we are we the first one to rip into the boss? Like, cause that doesn't and, and yet they know you love Jesus. That that doesn't play very well. Like, does our <clears throat> does our motivations and our words and our actions reflect Jesus on the job? Are the, the quality and excellence of your work? Or do you just do things half? Why? Yeah, like, nobody's really holding me accountable, so I'm just gonna kind of do what I need to do and get paid and get. Like, that, that is not an attitude of Jesus at all, all right? Are you, uh, are you relating to the people you work with the way Jesus did? Like, like, the number one thing for me in my own experience has been if we improve relating better to people, it changes a lot. And see, so like, because, let me put it this way, because God is the best relator in the universe, we as his people should be the best relators on the planet, Period. Whether you're a task person or you're naturally related, it doesn't matter. Are you a good relator? And here's how you can ask your spouse, ask your kids, ask your friends. Ask those so that maybe aren't so much your friends. Like, are you a good relator? Because it's not an option as a follower of Jesus. We've got to be good relators. And I think some of the issues going on in our land is because we don't know how to relate well. Like we're dealing with social issues like crazy. Guys, the government's not going to solve that problem. The church has to solve that. But we got to get it together and learn to love each other, serve each other, understand each other, walk with each other, befriend each other, enjoy each other. See, are you a good relator? Can I just again submit to you, that's not, a, that's not an optional thing as a follower of Jesus. If we're going to reflect him, we got to be a good relator to people which means being present for them, which means listening so you understand, which means communicating in a way that they understand what you're doing. You know? Guys tracking with me? So imagine how vocational disciple-making could transform how a government leader governs, a medical professional serves, a scientist observes and measures, a business leader treats their employees and customers. How differently might the world look if the godly parent Educator, artist, musician, athlete, news anchor, techie, farmer, disaster relief worker, and cause driven activist carried within them the character, ways, and mission of Jesus. Walking as disciples of Jesus means every area of our lives has been yielded to his lordship, including what we do to get paid during a certain 40 to 50 hours each week. Our vocation is tied to the kingdom of God. What do you do for a living? I'm a
2: job.
1: Nice. Nice. So uh, do you drive truck local or do you have to go all over the country? Nice. Very good. What, what other vocations do we have in here? Besides, uh, who's pastors? Wave at me. Okay, so we got you guys covered. What about the rest of you? What do you do? Construction. Construction? Like homes? Anything. Anything that needs to be built, you do it. Yeah. That's More awesome. Yeah. Nice. What else? Chief
0: financial officer.
1: Ah, CFO. Nice. Okay. What else? I
0: manufactured products
1: for Amazon. Ah, what kind of products? Anything. Anything. <laughs> it's like you guys should do together. Just any space needed to build and nice. Okay, well I just you know, Mel, what do you do? Digital marketing. So digital marketing. So I, I just want us to realize that, you know, God like when you were in mom's womb. Like God made you with certain abilities to do certain things. And, and it's like, look, the, we have supply chain problems. We know COVID related. But if you don't have the drivers and you don't have the trains, stuff ain't getting to us. And all of a sudden now it's, dude, I so value your job, right? Because you don't have it. You don't, you don't have what you need and you know he could bring it. And, but that's where like I've learned and I've had to be a bit disciplined to do this that when I'm talking with someone about their job to really listen and learn because I learn unique things like, wow, that's cool. Like I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that about that. And, and it's paying attention because when you value what someone does, you're also valuing them. And we just have to realize God's called us all to different vocations. And, and it's his, his hand on us. And that's where we want to walk in obedience to him. Most pastors I know... They love just preaching to their flock, but most pastors I know don't take the time to realize that you have almost every vocation represented in your flock. And if you want to change the world, you want to change them into people that are disciple makers within their vocation. Because then they can walk with people who serve in their area, and they can be shaping them in the ways of God. Okay, And it's an intentional thing. So I've got three friends today that I've had the privilege of walking with over the years, and so in this group here, let me just do a little math. So we've got 10 years, we've got 30, so that's 40 years, and we've got about 20. So there's about 50 years of friendship between these three people in my life. And so Darren, why don't you you guys come up? Darren, um, I met when he worked in the White House, and he was in D.C., and now he's our executive director for Lionshare. So, you know, when you have somebody who's training as the White House, you know, who's getting some skill sets, it's not a bad skill set to have, right? And, um, and I'll let Darren fill, fill you in more on him. And Lori is in the arts entertainment realm as a, like a general manager. So, general manager for like David Copperfield and Donnie Mariazman and Tapeface and Blue Man Group and people like that. That's her world. And then you've got George over here, that if you want to talk food. <laughs> so George is a food broker. Okay, yeah. And um, for Giant Eagle up in the East Coast, is, he's a man from Pittsburgh who now lives in Florida and is actually kind of enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You need to go back down, your tan's fading a little, George. You need to get that working again. So, so you have someone in, in area of government who now leads a nonprofit. You got someone in arts entertainment and somebody in business. And as you're going to learn, too, from all three of these, their heart is to make disciples. Okay, So why don't you each just kind of round out what you've done, kind of based on what I just said, build around that, so they just kind of understand a little bit more from you what you've been doing. Right. you want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you go first.
3: All right, so I went to college and wanted, to, thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I realized I didn't want to study for the LSAT, so I had to do something else. So I went to the only other thing I was trained for, and that was to go to DC as an intern. I worked on Capitol Hill, uh, ended up working on, in politics. So I, I differentiate politics and government, because there's a lot of similarities, but politics is a blood sport, and the government can be, but it's a much different game. And so I worked on a, George W. Bush's presidential campaign, and uh, did various political jobs around the country, worked in over 30 states. And then uh, lobbied in D.C. I'm saying a lot of words that are triggers for people, so please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> politics, lobbying, government—you know, everybody hates me now. Um, so I, I got to lobby uh, in state governments, which was fascinating. So I got to see kind of every area of it. And then, luckily, God called me out of that to work with Dave. Yeah, so he's so, our executive director for Lionshare now. So Darren, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Lori.
4: Hi, Lori Fry. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, which kind of seems a little weird to be in arts and entertainment. Um, but worked in New York on Broadway. I have my master's in theater directing. And uh, thought I wanted to direct until I started working with actors. And God clearly showed me that I did not have the temperament. So I was like, oh, but I'm really good at a 360 seeing everything, which led me into general management, which is all the money side. So I also fall kind of in a business realm making sure everything's handled properly and the relational side with the creatives. So I live in both worlds. Also created a musical, at a cancer journey 20 years ago, so there's a musical about it and then wrote a book. Um, but love discipling in the arts and I'm excited about that.
5: George? Okay. Well, uh, I graduated college with a teaching degree, but there are no teaching jobs. So I started a career in retail. And uh, I got introduced to sales guys, and they looked like they were having a lot more fun than us retail guys. (laughs) So uh, I hooked up with a company called Lennox China, uh, so a consumer product, and then from there, Samsung Luggage. And from there, I got into advertising for a dozen years. So I went from tangible products to intangible products, and then uh, most recently in the food, which is a perishable product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I was president of a, a of a company, and uh, that company folded. I started my own. So for the last six years, I've had my own company, and uh, we what we do uh, we're, a food, we're technically called a food broker. So uh, we're the sales and marketing arm of food companies people that make the food that would like to have it in the grocery stores. So I represent a ham company, a turkey company, a chicken company. We're in the perishable arena. So you can imagine with, uh, you know, with COVID and the supply chain, we've got all kinds of issues and challenges. So, uh, but uh, that's what I do. You know, I market uh, for, uh, products that uh, they would like to have in grocery stores. As Dave mentioned, Giant Eagle's our biggest customer. They have 220 stores in western Pennsylvania and Ohio. And I'm in Florida, and COVID has allowed me to do that, because you can do so much electronically, Dan. But it's hard to convince my friends I'm working full-time when I'm in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) So Jason's deli today,
1: the ham and turkey that we had, did that come from your hands at all, George? No, I did not have any responsibility for that. All right. So let me ask you this question. Um, So just kind of think of that vocation, you know, that we've talked about that you we're in or are in like why do you think it's important that we disciple people in these vocations like what are the like followers of Jesus but like what are the vulnerable points or what are the swings and misses that we're dealing with like maybe Darren just start us again you know in politics and government I mean we all kind of know there's it's just a mess out there yeah but like when you think of this or, or we could ask it this way too like if a young government leader was present And they were just saying, come on, Darren, grow me. Give
3: it to me. Like, What are the things that you think are important that
1: need to be passed on?
3: Yeah, the first thing I'm going to say is when I was in politics and government became a Christian, I essentially asked somebody to disciple me, not knowing what that was in an email. And I remember it clearly. I can still see the email. And there was no response. Mm -hmm. And then I met Dave. And God had Christians around me. But Dave was the one who stepped in and said, all right, you, I'm your 3 a.m. phone call, right? You know, I, you, know you, you have a crisis, you can call me. So that's why I was able to do this, and it you know, it was over time. Because yeah. in politics, you're, ch- you're trained to go for the throat, and it's, it's, it's just the way it is. It's like you're going to get the win. Yeah, and, and what I loved about politics is there was a beginning and the end, and you know whether you won or lost. Mm-hmm. So back to what you asked me exactly. Yeah, just um, <laughs> like, like what are the areas out there? Yeah and like that you see need discipleship
1: in your vocation
3: yeah so i think it's just figuring out kind of there's a lot of gray area in politics and, and in government too and the way i explain it is you know if something is in the gray area i used to call my attorney and say hey can we do this and then after you do that usually if you would just go into action and execute that you've calculated risks you're good But with one particular incident um, that I can think of that we've talked about, Dave, and you remember, I had somebody come to me and I was like, okay, my lawyer says I can do it. I know that, you know, we'll be fine in the end, but it didn't feel right. So I had to pass on something that was, could have changed a race. And it was legal, according to my lawyer, but I was like, I just can't go home and look my wife and kids in the eye and say, hey, yeah, I did a great job today for God. And, you know, and I and I had to come to the realization that ultimately who is is supposed to win is who God lets win or you know, chooses to win however you want to look at it. So whatever I do, legal or illegal, doesn't matter. Yeah. I just have to be faithful and I want to be able to go home and look at look at my wife and kids in the eyes and particularly people who are running for office, some friends of mine who have and won and lost. I tell I just drive that point home and just say, hey, at the end of the day, you're the one who has to answer your wife and kids and say, hey, I did this right. And if you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. And that's just what it's like. And you just got to do it that way. And then you won't regret it. So it comes back to issues of the heart. Yeah. And the ways of God. Yeah. 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 So think
1: about that. Like you wonder how many people run for government with that kind of thinking in mind. You know, or is it just call, like so? Darren, tell the story—the pieces that I'll tee up for yeah. it. Where remember you called me? This feels like late before 2010s, you know, so late 2000s, and you had an opportunity that would have been kind of a ladder climbing thing, but you knew a friend that was climbing that same ladder. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't.
3: There's been so many examples. Where <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I'll finish the story. So, so I
1: remember Darren calling me and said. So there's this one position, right. I am qualified for it, I could go after it, but I also have a colleague of mine who could go after it, and after praying, it was like, like my counsel was just, you know, praying, just see what the Lord's saying. And Darren called me and said, I feel like the Lord told me to step out of that, yeah. and that I need
3: to just be able to back off of that because I think he's the right person. Like, who does that? Yeah. And it's hard when you have 17 jobs in 17 years. Yeah. To remember which one that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But, but see, but again, if you have godly people, and so Darren's right. trying to go, you know, like the center field, find in the air, you know, which way the wind's blowing He's Like, Okay, God, are you asking me to do this? And if he knew that he shouldn't, then it's obedience, right? He's obeying the Lord. So it's not just about wins and losses. It's about obeying Jesus. Right. It's huge. Love that. Lori, how about you?
4: Um, in the arch, there are so many wounded people And a lot of them come from the church so for me i always try to make sure that my character is in the right way so one example i can give is we've done my musical in new york and everybody went out afterwards and the person who played my role is a broadway lead Um, she's a star and she's amazing and we're about two hours into just hanging out afterwards and she just looked at me and she said why are you here i said what do you mean she goes why are you here? Because the show is not faith-based, but a faith based, but there are faith elements, so she knew my faith. And I said, Because I love you. She was just like, You're not like the other Christians I've met. I'm like, Well, there you go. So for me, we need people who are discipled in the way I don't know very many Christians in live theatrical entertainment. Media, I've gotten connected with some people, but live theatrical entertainment, maybe I know 10, and I've been in the industry. You know, I'm 60, and I've been in the industry since I was 24. So, one, we need more. What they need to like step up. Christians, that's about oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, that are actually active in live theater. Um, so they either need to step up and be more vocal, um, you know, and just do that to just love them because they don't know what it is to be loved. They're condemned a lot. So, um, you know, there's... Uh, the discipleship that we do there's relationships there's hearing the voice of God all those kinds of things knowing that they're special and not just being used for their talent that they you know that I listen to them I care about them as a person and not just be like so can you do this for me like looking past that and only looking at their talent to see where they are and how I can help them yeah that's huge
1: like just think about that think about how that shapes an artist to think think Mm -hmm. about what that creates in them the kind of person they want to be and to reflect to others. That's
5: huge. George, how about you? Well, um, the first thing I think about is uh, you know, in sales, you think of profits, so, um, but people need to come first. You know? So it's people over profits. And uh, your time, talent, and treasure, um, how generous do you want to be with that? You, know, you want to pour into your people. And, and leadership really is um, you know, making your people better. You know, it's not leading, it's not directing people, but it's making them better. So um, uh, I have a couple, you know, several stories. I don't know if we want to get into yeah. those. but uh, Yeah, I was no. going to say,
1: why don't you start us on that, George, by okay.
5: sharing some stories of lives,
1: yeah. maybe within the arenas you've served, that you've impacted. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. The uh, um, I actually, uh, um, D- Dave discipled our pastor, Kent Chevalier, and uh, when I joined uh, our church up in Pittsburgh, uh, Kent, Discipled me, and uh, I had never uh, discipled anybody up at that point. This was about ten years ago, uh, so I went through the discipleship journey with our pastor, a forty-eight week uh, journey, and uh, it was time for me, you know, because Jesus said, "Go make disciples." And the pastor just poured into me for a better part of a year, and it's like I don't have a choice; <laughs> I got to do this. And uh, you know, initially it's a little uncomfortable because anytime you do something you've never been, you've never done before. Um, so I now I need to get, so I talked to some of the guys at the gym, some business people. So to make this part of the story short is, uh, I put a, a group of 10 business guys together and we journeyed together. One of the guys that I put in the group was an employee of mine. Um, his name is Bobby and Bobby was a member of the church, never was ever interested in men's groups or small groups. And, but he, he came alongside and he, and he journeyed with me. Uh, in fact, came back the following year and, and it was got involved in leadership and, and helping disciple others. Um, years later, I said, Bobby, I said, what was it that really, uh, that you made the decision? And he pointed to me and I said, okay, what did I say? And he goes, no, he says, uh, I saw a change in you. <clears throat> and that really hit my heart right That's there good. because um, it was something that I was doing that I didn't even notice. You know, God working in you and what what was happening is on my our business my business was going through a lot of difficult things and he saw how i was handling difficult situations um and uh and, and that really caught his attention and he wanted he says whatever you got i want some of that and i didn't i didn't find that out till years later <laughs> but it's it, it's a great testimony to yeah. the power of discipleship one would be... Um, I'll come back with another story. Yeah, that's
4: great. <laughs> um, Gina is a woman based in D.C., and she books the talent for the one of the most liberal radio shows in the country. So her job is to, ideally, get them firing at each other so you get better ratings, so you can get the clips and the everything all over the place. Um, so as she started in the discipleship stuff, loved the Lord but isn't quite sure how it all works. Um, and it... Uh, simultaneously in a relationship that when she told me about it uh, the first thing out of my mouth that I wanted to say was Ugh, horrible and I didn't but as she was going through it with her job she's like I'm not sure why God has me in here and now she's also doing a, a job in New York for a marketing department so she's A type personality, super talented and she's like i just don't, not sure if I'm supposed to be here or why I'm here so we started talking about Um, hearing the voice of God, like, how do you hear and understand? And as we went through that chapter, the revelation was coming to her, and she was like, I'm not supposed to be in this relationship. I'm like, no. She goes, no. So then I had to walk her, once she did that, she was like, you know, would come back and say, how do I do this kindly? Because he's a great guy, but I should not, this is not where my future is going, and those types of things. So there are real life situations where you know, it didn't deal with her vocation, but it would have impact her life for a very long time if she had kept going through that. So again, we learn in relationships, how do you, you know, when do you say things? When do you not? How is it, you know, biblically? And so we're still walking that through. So I've got and now she's gonna do Dave's um, leadership journey in you know, January to June, so that as a leader she can be like, Okay, so we're gonna go through discipleship and we've done it for about a year and she'll be finished up with you know, most of the chapters, and then she'll learn from a leader to go, oh, in my platform, what does that actually mean?
0: Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple-making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website. It's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today.
3: So I'll talk about Anna, who is one of my assistants. And uh, she I was in a difficult job, and not that they all weren't, but this is... Right up there. Yeah. It was later in my career. And I was in a situation where I needed a trusted person in my corner. So she is my assistant. She sat outside my office. I ended up getting her through one of our former board members who she had been gone through part of a discipleship journey. And I took the opportunity once I hired her and learned that she was coachable and trustworthy. I would pull her aside at times and be like, "Okay, this is what really happened. Or there'd be instances where I would just need a break, and I'd have to go into my office and work and close the door. And I would say, "Okay, only if these three people call, interrupt me, because I just need to get my head clear. So I could go to her and teach her about what I had learned over my whole career Mm -hmm. and put it into context. And this is my favorite part of the story, and I'll try to get through it. Fast forward, she was getting married, and my wife and I went to the wedding. and the the mother of the bride is giving her speech and she talks about me and I'm like, Whoa, like, you know, you're not supposed to be like in the audience. You're not in the wedding. And she was praising me. And then another couple who lived in her building. And I I mean, I was just, it was awesome. And it just shows if you invest in someone relationally, you take the time to explain, why you're doing what you're doing, because it could be very confusing with the politics and, yeah. you know, personalities going on, that I just felt like I could teach her at a very personal level so that she could get the context for it. So That's
0: yeah, awesome. yeah it's, So you,
3: what started as a work thing ended up spilling into just her personal life yeah, as and, well. And because she was a female, like all the females who worked for me, especially in a situation like that immediately after they got the job, I made sure they had a relationship with my wife outside of her working for me. We'd have them over for dinner because I never wanted there to be any error of anything because, I mean, I had to talk to them about personnel decisions and sometimes I would actually have to shut the door, but I would always ask them, are you comfortable with this? I need to shut the door for 10 minutes and we're going to talk about this. And if they said yes, I'd shut the door, but then when that private conversation was over, I'd open the door. And and that was something that I was, and you know my wife, Sonia, and, and she appreciated that, and she knew that was her job, go make a relationship with Anna, or whoever was yeah. in working that closely with me, just because I wasn't gonna have any question there as much as I could, so. Yeah, and that's a good principle to operate on. I do this, this is my wife,
1: Cheryl, here, and You know, If there's a relationship that we have with a lady who's a part of things, or if we had a country artist who was in need a few months ago and she called, said, can I come to the office now? And Darren was gone. He's often in the office. Laura wasn't there yet. Laura. Wasn't there yet. And uh, so I called Cheryl. Cheryl was up to something else, but could flex, and so she made her way over the office. We're just just trying to be wise, right? And so that needs to carry into our professional worlds as well. It's just, okay, what's wisdom here, and it's great. Because there's been times in my life that you know, I've gone to Cheryl and said, Honey, what, how do you feel about this lady doing this or this? And she, she's looked at me and she said, Honey, I know you don't know this. So it was kind of like, You're clueless. But she has eyes for you. And you kind of go, What? And she's right. And it's like, we have guys, we have like the loudest voice of God in your life is your wife. Next to Jesus, it's your wife. It's not Billy Graham or your favorite pastor or your favorite. It's your wife. And ladies, the same thing, your husband is the loudest voice of God in your life next to you hearing from God. And so they love you, they want to protect you, so that's really good. So I'm going to go to Mel here, but let me tee you guys up here with what I want you to be thinking about. So within every vocation, like one of the things that we've learned and talked about has been there's spiritual strongholds. Okay, So in other words, there's stuck places (coughs) that every vocation kind of slip into and it trips you up in. And so as we're discipling 20s and 30s in the vocations, one of the things that we want to be thinking about is what are the spiritual strongholds within vocations that people tend to fall prey to so we can disciple accordingly? Are you following me? So just be thinking about what would you say is the one or two in your vocation? Okay, so let me go to Mel. So Mel told you what he did, what he does, but he's also kind of um, recently begun to venture into some things with fitness. And... You know, just was in a competition here recently for, was it Fitness Magazine? Muscle and Fitness. Magazine. Muscle and Fitness Magazine. And Mel, so, so that's a whole other track, another kind of vocation here. So, Mel, what do you, like, what has God been teaching you about how to walk as a disciple in light of that realm? Like, what are just one or two things that you've been being challenged by the Lord to walk godly here, whether it's attitudinally, whether it's um, don't do this, do this, whether it's you know, more heart issues, like what what are things the Lord's been instructing you and teaching you in light of kind of this new venture you're in?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest one one biggest okay. thing. Feel free to come on out here so they can well hear you better. One of the biggest things has been um... <laughs> Um, to just be mindful of my surroundings. So I've been at my current gym a few years. And, you know, I go in and and do my own thing. And, you know, sometimes I make conversation with people. And you know most of the time, I'm just doing my own thing. Well, this competition was social media based. And so you had to get people to vote for you to win. And, of course, you post videos and things of that nature. And so I had to kind of force me into conversations with some of the people there at the gym and quite a few of them are a little younger than me but what I didn't realize uh, over the course of the competition was how much they had been watching me. Um, They didn't know anything about my faith, they didn't know anything like that Uh, but they had just been watching me and it was mostly for the athletic, um, you know, what I was doing athletically but when for some of the ones i did have conversations with you know like one guy told me you are one of the nicest people i ever met and our conversations had not gone any further than you know small talk right um one of the guys i had a conversation with he like we had a convert brief conversation right before he was leaving out of state and he just said you have the best vibes in the gym (laughs) um and i just like, we, we never had a conversation even, you know, before that day. Um, you know, one of them, and, and, and then as we would have conversations about, you know, boats and things like that, there were just little, little things, little things. One of them, he said, dude, you're, you're the GOAT, right? And he didn't have to say that because, like, I'm not the biggest guy at that gym. Definitely, probably not the strongest. But it, it, it was just an eye opening that eye opener that that, that they're watching you mm-hmm. and that there is something that you need to tend to there. And so while yeah, you're there to work out, you're there to compete, you're there to do whatever, um, you know, athleticism, if you will, or sports, it it's it's like a bridge, like because that respects that it commands respect, you know, to walk into a room and to you know, uh, look athletic or look fit. And, you know, because you have something, you know, physically or athletically that they're reaching for, and it looks like you have it, um, there's just a, there's just, they're they're just drawn to it. And so it just calls me to slow down a little bit and to just pay attention, to to say hi more, to just even uh, begin to pray when going in there for, you know, God to just, you know, like, hey, whatever you desire to do here, I had a conversation with a guy very recently who just like pulled me to say, said, Hey, can I have some advice? Uh, That was just like real big because it just came out of nowhere. Again, we see each other in passing all the time. We'll come to find out, you know, he's going through some things at home. He's in high school um, and he's in a place where he doesn't know what he believes. Right, because I, I tried to end the conversation. Uh, you know, like, what do you believe? Can I pray for you? And you know, when he shared that, uh, I didn't, you know, push on anything. I just said, well, if it's okay, I'll pray for you. But I was able to talk with him, just you know, just uh, you know, kind of life to life, man to man, and to just walk through that. So I think one, the big thing has just been uh, like their eyes on you, and and not in a you better behave. Yeah, that too. Uh, But to just just be sensitive and aware, uh, you know, because of, you know, just kind of the exposures uh, that come with these kind of things. And, you know, as they say, more is um, caught than is taught. And, uh, you know, but it was just, you know, hey, I'm going in there doing my own thing. But at the same time, yeah, people are watching you. Good. Thanks,
1: Mel. So I just wanted him to add a little different... You know perspective to this because there's that piece of it too. So when I was a missionary with Youth of the Mission and I was about 20 years old, Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of YWAM, uh, was a guy that poured into my life. And one of the things he said that really kind of reinforces what Mel's saying here is: is Lauren said to me, "Always remember, a light shines brightest at its source." So, like in other words, like that light right there, you can see, you know kind of my face went, but if I was to get really close to there, if I could pull that down, you'd see what whiskers I probably missed today. You know, it, It's like it shines brightest at its source. What Lauren was saying is, is oftentimes what you find is that people are perceived this way out here, but the closer you get to who they really are, the light dims. You're disappointed. And he said, live in such a way that the closer they get to you, the consistency is still there. You know, you're still going to have your areas of swings and misses and failures and both places and all that, but there's a brightness. And so as you actually get closer to people, do, is there more of Jesus to actually see? See? And so as people are being drawn to Mel through the world that he's in, if he just keeps tending his own life, his own inner man, then that light is going to continue to be bright and people will be drawn. Okay. So be thinking about that. So no matter what vocation we're called to, that's a place that we want to start. Let the let the brightness of the light be such that as people know you, they're not all of a sudden going, he was a cool dude, but now that I know him, what an idiot. <laughs> you know, you're like, is that just the worst? You just don't want that, mm-hmm. right? But it means you have to tend your life, okay? Thank you, Mel. Awesome. Come on back up, George. I'll start with Darren. So. And then, then we'll just open it up for some Q&A here, okay? Um, so one of the things, let me just tell you about something we're doing with LionShare. It's called the Leadership Games. We're calling it that because we're wanting to help young ones rehearse for the real. And what it is is a catalyst for 40s to 70s to disciple 20s and 30s, both spiritually and vocational. Okay? So I've got 30 people, three of them, here four with Mel, five with... Lori, am I missing anybody? No. That are going there they're five of the 30 that are in their 40s to 70s that are going through discipleship for a year to get their own hearts prepared to learn how to use our tool, Discipleship Journey, which also has vocational questions in it. And so Darren co, uh, Darren leads the what we call our government, law, nation security group. So it's people in government, politics, like attorneys, all that, and police, fire, military, it's that realm. All right. Lori helps lead our arts entertainment media group. And so we've got people that are in that area, radio, broadcaster, you know, Mel's in that group, all right? Then you got George, who with Nancy, who for those of you that were in the Pacing of Jesus thing, Nancy and George co-lead our business group. We've got eight people in that group. Six guys, two women, all in their 40s to 70s who are going through discipleship. Uh, we're missing the church and government, uh, health medicine and wholeness, where you've got doctors and counselors in that realm. The church room, we have youth pastors, a senior pastor, a worship leader, and, and Laurie represents our children's kind of ministry people. And the idea is we're inviting, in the next couple of weeks, Laura is our administrator for this, and she's kind of helping us run all that and keep it all together, but we're inviting hand-selected 20s and 30s who feel called to one of those five vocations to come to Nashville next summer, and for five days, four nights, we'll be together, and the mornings will be discipleship topics. The afternoons, we're going to have them in their vocational teams, and we're going to give them real life problems, say, leave all your Democratisms and Republicans at the door. This is Jesus, his kingdom, and his ways. How do we fix this? Because I want to raise up a generation that they think this way. Okay, whether it's their life, their marriage, their community, their vocation, what's the ways of God on this? Okay, and so these guys will help them begin to think that way and rehearse for the real. And in the evening, we'll have a social panel. So we'll do with race and gender, maybe even politics, because that's a hot topic. And say, as as followers of Jesus, leave all this other stuff. to How do we walk this in a godly way? What does this look like? OK, so if we don't shape a generation spiritually, vocationally, and socially, we're in trouble. OK? So that's one of the projects that we're we'll working on. So our first one will be next summer. Well as we're talking about these kinds of things, we run into things like... All right. So let's say Darren gets somebody who wants to be in politics or government, and they're in their late twenties. And it's good for us to know what are the tendencies of spiritual stuck places people can get sucked into, you know? Because of your personality bent, if you're a real driver in business, you can get sucked into this thing where you're working, working, and your marriage is going to pop, right? So when you guys think about your area where God has or or, or has called you now, what would you say are one or two? Spiritual strongholds that people who feel called to your
3: arena can get sucked into and get stuck? Yeah, first of all, I'm going to clean something up. I said before, it was actually Victoria, who, uh, oh. not Anna. Anna was also a great yeah. person who worked for me, but I got to do that in you case your mom, mom listens, up.
0: right? Um, anyways,
3: uh, so, I mean, politics, it's pretty easy. All you have to do is look at the headlines. I mean, for me, it was the drive to get to the top, and by many standards, I was at the top a lot of my time there and when i walked away from it i had some friends who weren't believers who looked at me like i had a hole in my head being like you're you're like you could stay in this 10 more years and retire and i was like i want to see my boys grow up i'd never i've been to the bus stop six times in their in their whole time and now i can go every day almost yeah and so i'm discipling my boys in a four to six year intentional plan started this year and so I get to do things like that. And you look around politics and government, and there are exceptions, but the people I was looking to and the track I was on, there wasn't a lot of healthy family, you know, and fathers, you know, husbands, you know, habits. And there were some. I mean, I was blessed to have some good ones around me, but I was like, I'm not going to be that. Because I saw myself running so hard that, you know, when you're working 80 hours, sometimes 100 or on the road, the last year I was on the road half the days of the summer, you can't be a dad, you can't be a husband, you can't be a son to an elderly <clears throat> parent, so I was just i mean those are some of them, yeah I mean and I would say, but the hardest one is you're in it to win it, and you want to go to the top, and when you taste the top, you're like, well, you know I may have you know flown on Air Force One, but I've never been on Marine One, so I got to like try to get back in the white House and When I walked out of that building, I knew chances are I may never walk back in here. And I was okay with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And another one, you know, like in in this realm
1: can be pride. Yeah. You know, that you get caught up in the pride of the whole thing. If you've never been to D.C. or just taken the time to kind of give the spiritual temperature, Mm -hmm. there's this thing that kind of sucks you in of pride and power. And the big one that I know people there have said, but the key to all that, Dave, is knowledge. It's what you know and who you know. And so all of a sudden you get snared in that game, you often don't know how to get out of it. See, so those are places like if Darren's walking with a 28-year-old that says, I want to be that someday, he can start preparing now to say, This is the landmines, steer clear. Isn't that awesome?
4: So we can have
3: godly leaders that look different. And the way I say it is a lot of people start believing their own press releases, you know, and it's true. And Potomac Fever is real. And the one of the things that helped me other than just Dave was getting out of D.C. And the same thing can happen to state cap- capitol or yeah. city government or whatever. But you've got to have perspective that's outside of the yeah. world that you're in. Because yeah. it's, I mean, it's crazy town. Yeah. Yeah. How about arts entertainment? What do you um, say there, Lori?
4: Yeah, you would just mention pride. So that's the obvious one because they just, <clears> you know, <throat> they don't want a platform. They want stardom. Um, but on The reverse of that is that their identities are all whacked, like they're wounded so sometimes the pride is just covering up for some things that have happened in their past and I'm not really that special but I'm going to prove that I'm special and I can do this really well and you don't uh, necessarily know where that's all coming from. So I would say that is it because you know they can go as you know in the headlines the best most (coughs) talented people then have mental illness and you know most people don't know about it and then they're gone in a blink. Um, so to really pay attention and be like, you know, I really try to have a pulse on that to be like, are you okay, I have an artist now, um, that I work with, that I'm always checking in with them and going, how you doing, it's a rough week, okay, you know, so I know how to pray accordingly and I can tell when his highs and lows and kind of tracking that. So,
1: Yeah, another one I have found in that area in walking with artists here in Nashville is they would not label it this way, but it can be self-adulation. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. And it's, and it's because, and, and, you know, we don't know for sure if this is accurate, but, you know, like in Ezekiel, it gives us some hints of Lucifer and the possibility that Lucifer may have been, you know, um, the leader of worship in heaven because of the way pipes and things that Ezekiel says were built into him. And, you know, and, and there's not enough to kind of land on that. But, you know, in theory, it's like, okay, so what if God actually made this? Because remember, in Isaiah 14, he gets caught up with himself. I will ascend and be like the most high. And all of a sudden, there's this self. He sees himself. I will be like God. And, and then we have a social media world that totally feeds that. And, and then, you know, when it comes to, you know, just like being a, a spouse at home and, honey, could you please... Could you just go, please change our fifth baby's diaper? Don't you understand who I am? I want a Grammy. Don't you see it sitting right there, honey, on the show. I don't clean diaper. And so you can get caught in that. It's like, oh, my gosh. But see, that's a subtle stronghold that if we, on the front end, can say, hey, by the way, humility, choose
4: humility.
1: And you disciple them in that. They can avoid that whole trap.
5: Okay? George, what about business? What would you see as a stronghold or two people can get stuck in? Uh, money, money, money. <laughs> yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, when I became a sales manager um, after I had a, a successful sales career, I was told to hire people that were money motivated. Well, people that are money motivated have a tendency to take shortcuts and uh, and don't really mm-hmm. care as much about people. And one of the things that we, we, we teach here is that, um, you know, focus, uh, since we're discipling 20s and 30s, focus on what God's doing in you before He's working through you. And um, uh, the other thing is that what's the difference between success and significance? You know, do people look at you and say, uh, do they think of you as what you've accomplished for yourself or what you've accomplished for others? You know, these are these are things where we're actually, where if you live a significant life, like what you've accomplished in others, that is success. That that, that is that is success. But um, you know, I think it, it, when someone in business, a young person they, they want to be you know to the top right away you know they're going to push everybody out of the way they regardless of what it takes they're going to get there well there's a thing called honoring people you know and uh, you know in, in Romans, what, Romans 12 uh, 10 you know how one another showing honor you know and uh, we honor people because of their character we, we honor people because of their performance but ultimately uh, we honor everybody because of the intrinsic value that Christ shed his blood for that person so uh, so Destroying people on your way to the top is not, you know, God's way. Yeah. So um, I would say those were some of the. Yeah, that's holds. great. So we
1: just have a few minutes left. Of questions? Any questions that you guys have, just as we're talking, that are kind of bubbling up in you, or that you just would like to ask? Yeah. Yes, sir.
3: Um, um, how would you encourage someone, without making them feel guilty, to move from sort of a passive um, attitude in the workplace about being a Christian, being a little more intentional? Especially if busy. I mean, what I—I I mean, I'll jump in just because you had another yeah, sure. question that I want to answer. Yeah. Um, if you're in a church, you know how you commission missionaries. Dedicate time to the vocations because we're all missionaries, no matter whether you want it or not. And when you empower people from the front of the church and tell them that they're missionaries and what they do, they'll rise up and they'll do it. Not exactly an answer to your question, but close, maybe. I'll let George.
5: What, what we, the, the question was, how do you encourage people to disciple yeah, within think, their vocation?
3: Our peers, uh, like our peers are teachers, they're yeah. tired, yeah. they're a married couple, and I asked them like, how do you view your ministry in the workplace and they got defensive because they're tired and they're like, well I'm doing it, I'm just going and being, and I don't know if there's that much intention behind mm-hmm. their actions in the workplace, and so I think I felt a little guilty. I
5: didn't want to make them feel that way, but I did want to urge them to be a little more purposeful. Yeah, I think a lot has to do with what we, how we speak. You know, like if we have a good experience, we give God the glory. You know, for that, and uh, as opposed to look what I've accomplished, but what God's done through me. Um, uh, you know, the um, boy, uh, the best thing I can think of is the more you speak along those terms, um, people get it because that becomes, you're just becoming who you are. Um, uh, the, the story I was gonna tell you, and I don't know, we have, do we have to uh, sure. tell, Okay, uh, my number one customer, okay, her name's Jen, uh, she's the ham company, uh, we do about five million pounds, so we do a lot of business there. Um, she gave me a wonderful compliment about my organization because I am an organized guy. And I say, well, thank you, God gives us differently, you know, gives us differently. Um, and I, I, they let me roam the lobby and the atrium at church because I'm a guest services guy. But guess, guess what? They won't give me a microphone and let me sing.
4: <laughs> <You know? laughs> so,
5: so we have some fun, all right. right. And then it, all of a sudden, we're talking about church. And she goes, "Well, what church do you go to?" And then, and uh, so now we're talking along those terms. I sent her a devotional that my wife and I are doing, and you know, so she gets us in the mail unexpectedly. And uh, I follow up a little bit later and find out that she's reading it to her kids and it's not for kids, <laughs> so uh, I, I go to the Christian bookstore and get something for kids, and I send that to her. This is over a period of time. Um, then she tells me, and, and again, it was a, there was a period of time, she was really concerned. She went into her daughter's room, because her daughter was in there alone, and she was concerned. And, and her daughter said, what's the matter, Mommy? She says, I'm just spending some quiet time with the Lord. Come on. <laughs> you know? And, and it was just, you know, that's the kind of stuff. And uh, Jen now, every time we talk, we talk about, because we, you know, this is, these are difficult times in supply chain, and she's done an amazing job. She goes, you know, George, that's because we pray often mm-hmm. about this, mm-hmm. and uh, and we've had some uh, difficult situations recently because of supply chain. You can't supply everything, and uh, what, what she mentioned, um, and I said, well, well Jen, because we had a very upsetting situation. I said, you know what we need to do? We need to guard our hearts. All right. And and then she writes, where's that from? And she writes, yeah. And this isn't face to face. This is on the phone because she's in uh, New Jersey and I'm in Florida, you know, where we're having these conversations. Uh, Just this last Friday, we had a very difficult situation. And she said to me, let's pray about it over the weekend. We'll talk Monday. All right. All started with sending a devotional or taking a compliment and giving God the glory. It's a process. You know, it's just who you are. That's good. But that's your
3: giftedness as a salesman. You say yeah. a thing, you follow up. That's what I'm hearing is like how your gifted God's using you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That, that's what I want to know. That's a great. Market. And our men, mm-hmm. our men and women in our church who are business leaders. Yeah, that's great. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's, um, that's what I'm hearing. is mm-hmm. Your gift was used. Yeah. In mm-hmm. your work.
5: Yeah. Thank you.
3: So I know you. You mentioned your president of the company. It sounds like it's a larger company, but kind of from a a top-down perspective, as a president, some sort of leader who has authority over others in the same company, Uh, if you can kind of maybe shift your gear toward the mind of a small business, think 40, 50 people, how do you, as a boss, as a president, as a leader, how do you find potential ways to cycle those that are under you and see you as... Authority, perhaps a threat in their mind. How do you bridge that gap as a boss to the employees and disciple your
5: employees? That, that's a great question. I, I was actually um, uh, a general manager of a, a, a very large company, International, down in Bradstreet, uh, but I am now an owner of a small business. So I have eight employees. And I did have this wonderful idea that I was going to disciple everyone, you know, all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, yeah, <laughs> know, and, and, then, and then, But then you need to hear from the Lord saying that's not a good idea, you know, because uh, you know, as a leader, as the owner of the company, you say, we're going to get discipled, you know, like they got to be, you know, they got to want it, all right? We talk about faithful, available, servant-hearted, and teachable, all right? You disciple people that want to be discipled. This isn't evangelism. These are people that want to go with you. So uh, if, I, if I were a president of a big company, uh, I would make an opportunity 6.30 in the morning before work, if anybody's interested, and, and have some conversations over coffee and see where they are on their journey, and uh, you know, if they're ready to go with you, they'll go, but make sure they're committed, all right? This isn't a, come, you know, everybody come, it's the difference between a Bible study and, and a discipleship, big difference. There's a lot of Bible in discipleship, but, you know, it's relational, and it's what the Holy Spirit's revealing. As opposed to just rec- you know reciting scripture and so so, but th- that's an excellent question. But that, you know, y- you do it off hours, you know, and say, hey guys, you know, uh, I- I'd like to invite you to my house, you know. So, but, but all of a sudden uh, they'll, they'll think, what's he doing? You know, he's, I don't know, you know, but, I- I'm missing out, <laughs> you know. So that's something that. Uh, Thank you, guys. You know. let me, give me
1: sixty seconds, and we're going to get you out of here. Uh, I just want to let you know if you're pastors a great step that you can begin to take is start praying, God, how do you want me to highlight the vocations in my church? And consider beginning, like you have a small groups, consider breaking your church into vocational small groups. It's an amazing thing that can begin to happen, okay? Secondly, if you haven't seen this yet, you got a taste, you know, a 10% taste today of this book, The Great Opportunity of Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. So you can get that here. You can get that at our table out there. But if, you're, if this is hitting you where you're at, this is a good read. It's an easy read for you. Uh, Discipleship Journey, which is our, our core tool, we just, uh, it's not, this is the 18th year it's been out, or 19th now, I guess we're starting. And um, we added a vocational question to each lesson. So it's very, so it's like the topics on the honoring, and then it asks you the question, as a boss, how are you honoring those that work with you? If you're an employee, how do you honor those over you? And it lets them wrestle those questions. So these are two great resources to help you as it relates to vocational stuff, okay? Thank you for the privilege of your time today. We're grateful. Let us know if we can answer any questions, all
5: right? Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, y'all, that concludes our 2022 season. That's season number nine. It is over and done with. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Disciple Makers podcast. I hope to squeeze out one more little episode before the year is up, but I'm planning for this one to be the last one. So we shall see. We got some amazing things happening in 2023, including another National Disciple Making Forum, which is happening in Indianapolis, Indiana this year. You can go to discipleship.org to buy your tickets. And the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost to go. So make sure you go check it out now. We'll also have stuff going on at discipleship.org slash collective. We'll have shows going and all that kind of stuff. And we're working on a brand new season of our podcast for the next year as well. So thank you again for listening to this podcast. Thanks for supporting discipleship.org and coming to our events and watching our gatherings online. Well, I hope that you and your family will have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to go with it. And I pray that God's peace will rest upon you and your family as you enjoy this time, this holiday season. God bless you, and I'll see you in the new year. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building there's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got eBooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website. It's actually a community for disciple makers, basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org/slash collective and sign up for your free membership today.